Welcome back in listeners to another wonderful episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We have a wonderful show to share with you today. Joining us, we have the writer Nalini Sharma, the performer and writer Tara Amber, and the performer who's playing the role of Shaka, Kahim Rivera. All of these wonderful artists are involved with Heya Artistry's production of Being Shaka, playing May 6th through the 27th at New Ohio Theater. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting newohiotheater.org. But let's go ahead and get things kicked off by bringing on our guests, Tara, Kahim, and Nalini. Welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Hello. We're happy (laughs) to be here. Hello, hello, hello. Thanks for having us. Thank you. To have all of you. And I'm so excited to learn more about this great show, Being Shaka. Um, We've got performers we've got you tara and you kahim and of course we've got the writers of the show nalani and tara this is going to be amazing so why don't we start with nalani can you tell us a little bit about being shaka sure being shaka is a genre bending piece and it's a genre bending ensemble piece led by shaka who's played by the lovely kahim here about a Black teenager who's grieving the loss of his father and who transfers to an elite Manhattan private school. And as this is happening in the school, they have just implemented this bold curriculum and that sort of triggers events as the play unfolds. Ooh. Ooh, I I like where this is going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tara, you're also a writer on the show, and I want to ask, where did you and Nalini come up with the idea for this show? This production is sort of a culmination of a bunch of work from a bunch of people. This particular script, we had a lot to do with. Also, we're missing one of our writers, Chuk Obasi, Chikoma Obasi. So just to, we have nine living characters, two ghosts, and then an unseen dead baby. So there's a lot to wrangle in the script. Yeah, I mean, in terms of where we came up with the idea for the story. So this this piece was sort of, it's been like years of culmination with Taya artistry. And a lot of it is Chukobasi vision along with Viev, um, who's the other artistic director of the company. And they started with this series called The Weaver. And we wanted to explore race in America. They, you know, that's, they really wanted to tackle that as a company. And I used to be part of the company when I used to live in New York. And I remember, you know, them having little ideas and they just wanted to kind of go. And the way the company works is a divisive theater company. So they just started putting pieces together and they use this philosophy called insight artistry, which is a great way to interview, which is a great way to talk to people and interview people and really get a deeper understanding of their humanity, no matter where they lie, right? In terms of political and racial discourse, et cetera. So yeah, they started that process years ago. And then about a year and a half ago, they received the archive residency grant. And that's when me, I got really involved as a writer. They brought me on as a writer. They brought Tara on as a writer and a few others. And the company started creating. We had a mini workshop of a different play last summer at the Ice Factory Festival at the New Ohio. 
And it was, you know, all female characters. It was like the female version of this, not the female version of this play, but a take on it. And then after that, we kind of all came together, me, Tara, Chuck, Talia, and Diev. And we were like, okay, but the piece in May, what do we want to really tackle head on? Mm -hmm. And keeping in mind Chuck's original vision, we wanted to make it about a Black teenager named Shaka. And we wanted to put everything right at the heart of race, how it explodes, how it unfolds, how it simmers, all those things. So that's where we sort of came up, we came up with this idea and that we wrote it in the last like four months or so, this play. Yeah, I would just add that like using teenagers sort of to like center the piece was a choice we made because the stakes are high with kids, you know, and they're still malleable and they're still figuring things out in like real time. And I think that there's a certain, I I think it's a bit disarming to see children, even if they're played by 30 year olds working through these issues, as opposed to, you know, watching adults who you kind of, I experience, I judge a little more on the surface just because they are a little more settled in their ways. I love all that. What a journey the show has gone on then. Oh yeah. Let me bring on Kahim who is our Shaka. Mm -hmm. What has it been like developing the show, particularly this role of Shaka? Yeah, you know, the play is called Being Shaka. And, but I was, the thing I love most about it is that it really is an ensemble piece. And we have 11 characters and kind of everyone gets to tell their story, which is pretty rare and like can be overwhelming, you know, but it, it, it isn't with this piece. And like, Everyone gets to be a three-dimensional human and we're dealing with issues of race, but we're also just dealing with like the way people navigate shifting landscapes and like their own insecurities and their own discomfort and biases and like just really showing that like no one, everyone wants to be a good person at the end of the day, but we, we just have to work through a bunch of stuff, you know? So like, I, I, yeah, I just love that because of their process of their insight artistry and interviewing different people like you know you have these little glimpses of stories that are real that come from real life conversations but they're kind of worked into these characters to really flesh them out and we just get to we spend a lot of this play just listening to each other and it's kind of beautiful you know and the takeaway a few weeks into the run like people leave the show and they and they say like wow like that was a lot, but I really got to know everybody. And like, that's, that's rare in storytelling, especially now. Like, it's just like, you got this, you got one character and you see their arc and everyone else is a, is a piece of the puzzle for that story. But really with this, it's, it's just, it's just humans being humans. That is amazing. And, you know, I get to now ask kind of a question I don't normally get to ask since you mentioned this show is in the middle of its run what kind of has been the audience's reception of the show? And I'm going to stick with you on this, Kahim. Honestly, you know, we we were so deep in our rehearsal process and it, it's a really, it's a really ambitious piece and kind of high concept. Like, you know, it's there's 30 year olds playing teenagers, there's ghosts, we play basketball on stage, we we have like dreamscape sequences. And so 
you get so deep in that process and you're like, I have no idea if this thing is good or not. Objectively, I just know that I care about it. And it's been a great experience working on it. But two and a half hour play about racism and 11 characters, you're like, this might be a lot to digest. But everyone who's walked away from it has been genuinely moved. And I mean, I've invited some very grumpy, critical people who have not minced words with me in the past. And they've just been like, yo, this is really good. <laughs> and and not only not only about like good or bad, but just being like moved. Like people we're everyone's over. Like we 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 like racism is everywhere and we talk about it all the time and like we're all so tired. So like to have a piece that is exploring this kind of thing, but gets to have everyone kind of show their humanity and not exhaust your audience with visual trauma. It's actually just like the 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 trauma and the humor and everything involved is used to just make us all better people not to just you know it's not trauma porn <laughs> you know so it's yeah. uh it's 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 just wonderful and like just being able to kind of like feel people's lived reaction to it afterwards it's been one of the best parts i love that Dalini or tara is there anything else you'd like to add to that I, I know like some things have stuck with me, you know, I've had friends also go to the show and they're like, you know, they're genuinely, yeah, they've genuinely moved. Like, you know, they're in tears or they can't kind of, or they go home and then they sort of release everything. And one audience member, I remember they came up to me and, and this was, I remember this because they told me, they were like, you know, it's so funny because I know everything in this play, but I've never heard it this way before. And that has like, I don't know, shifted something in me. And they said that. And I, when I, you know, when she, she was saying that to me, I was like, well, that, I mean, I love that as a writer, of, you know, like to hear that. I feel like that felt really nice because that was our intent because it's, we're so inundated with this, with this, you know, in our news and everyone and everyone is, you know, kind of, it feels manipulated almost in our daily lives. It's so manipulated in so many different ways that we really wanted to just let it be. And yeah. And to give you a little more context on the play, you know, like you're in the school and you have these three factions. You have you have the kids, the teachers, the parents, and then you have these ancestral ghosts who just kind of like hover around the periphery and whose story kind of grounds the piece. And within all these kind of groups of people, they're vastly different personalities. And you just get to really hear everyone's unique perspective on the issues at play. And that's really what like, it, it just has a lot of depth and it takes multiple perspectives to actually gain any clarity on anything just in life. So like, I think that's the key. It's like you, you, you actually walk away from this piece with a clarity on things that you've been beaten over the head with for ever. But like, you're like, oh, this is, you know, to quote, to paraphrase the paraphrasingly quote a line on a play, like, it's all just like human stuff. And we like where we use a lot of big words and there's discourse, but like at the end of the day, we're just like figuring it out. 
Yeah. And if it's not personal, it doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. You know, yeah. I feel like a lot of the, something we really were careful not to do is write a didactic piece on race. That's like trying to teach audience members something or take like one particular stand. It was really just how do we show the effects of these moments that one person might pick up on and someone else might completely not. And that's been a really interesting experience of the audience in this piece too. Just also to give some clarity on how Viev and Chuk staged the production, the students are among audience members in different areas. So like there's history class and then like, you know, Kunzang is a character I play is sitting here. There's two audience members there. Shock is over there. Then in the first row, you have like audience members and Ethan and then Maddie over here. So it's like, they're always kind of interspersed and we interact with them, like not in like big, like you must speak ways, but just like, like we have our opinions with them. And some audience members are like really engaged in it. And others are like, don't look at me. Like, so <laughs> it's... <laughs> It's it's really cool. And, you know, depending on the racial makeup of the of the audience, people respond to different things in different ways. Like there's a lot of microaggressions that happen in this play that, you know, an older generation of white person might not be as attuned to. But like if you have a room full of people of color, there's like snaps happening or like, oh, no's or like, you know there's a real response. So it's so interesting to see the different things that people pick up on and not, you don't have to pick up on everything to also appreciate the show and go on a journey with it. And something another audience member said to me was like, honestly, like I was really engaged and curious in the first act, but I was like, I don't know. I don't know if you're gonna, how are you gonna contain all of this? Cause you know, we, you know, there's race, there's the Shaka's home world, there's Shaka's haunted world. There's a Ooh. basketball game, which <laughs> totally like takes people by surprise. And then there's also a musical number that comes like, you know, towards the end of the first act. But what she said to me then was like, you guys really did it. She's like, like it all came together. All the threads that you like started, like weave together in the second act. And like, it's just a, it's a massive but contained strong piece. So that was really nice feedback. I love that. And Tara, you have set us up perfectly for the next question, which is what is the message or thought you're hoping audiences will take away? And I'd love to stick with you first on this. Something I really hope the audience takes away from the show is just the value of curiosity for another person's experience. Like how would you be changed if you were a fly on the wall? And you could see the private moments that happen with people that you might have very strong judgments about at the offset. And we do set it up that way. Like there's a lot of characters that you might really not like or find irritating or scary at the beginning. And then as you go on the journey with them and you see their private moments and everything, you understand that a version of what's happening with one character is also happening with another character. And it looks different. And then you, but you know that experience. And because you're seeing it with different people, you can recognize it in yourself. So I think that, I mean, it's a, it's a lofty goal, but heightened empathy would be really great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Kahim, what about you? Yeah, a similar sentiment. You know, we all have different experiences. I, I found myself in my personal life and professional life you, you kind of even in a place like New York you can 
you can kind of just end up in a bubble of shared opinions, you know, and that's really validating when you have strong opinions because you're surrounded by people who agree with you or like have a similar lived experience, you know, and I think there's just such a, a range of, you know, age and race and just experience in this show itself. And just, a, I, I'm seeing people just get reminded that other people exist <laughs> and that's great. <laughs> you know, like just that it, it, it really kind of softens you around the edges if you let it. And I just, I hope that I, and I think it is happening that people kind of watch this and they go, oh yeah that makes sense. Mm. That person exists and is real. And like, that's different for me. And that uh, I see that. Okay. I think that if we can all just like soften our edges a little bit and meet each other, you know, it, it will all be better for it. So it's a great answer. And wrapping that, this question up, we have Nalini. What is the message or thought you're hoping audience members take away from the show? I feel same veins, um, parallel to both of what they said. You know, we we saw another play, and I remember my friend who I saw it with was like, you know, this that play has a call to action that you know feels like immediate, right? Like immediate call to action. And I've seen a lot of those those types of plays too, and they're wonderful. And it is you feel impassioned, and you know, this like, oh, I got to do something. And then you know what ends up happening is that that it fizzles. Yeah. <laughs> and then by the time the election comes around or voting comes around and, you know, when it t- takes, you know, actually doing the action, it it's fizzles. It just goes away. And the power of this piece, I really think, is that it sticks with you so hard because it's the call to action is not a big loud thing it's like a quiet rumble and it's something that's just gonna bother you just enough like all the time so I love that that's what I want (laughs) and that's what I want and whether even if people were confused at parts of it or like you know maybe they hated it who knows right I mean you don't know you don't know what the audience is going to take away. I I don't care about that. As long as it kind of just bothers you just enough, <laughs> I'm happy. Mm-hmm. That it, you know, that it kind of like is it's it it ends up these are like tiny tiny revolutions that I think are necessary, you know, for the big mm-hmm. stuff to happen. Well, that is a perfect lead into my final question for this first part, which is who do you hope have access to the show. And Nalini, I want to start with you on this. My gosh, I want everyone to see it. I want everyone. I, I, I want like, you know, I mean, look, we're in a capitalistic society. So like commerce is important, you know, but I, I would love a combination of both. Like I, I want teenagers to see this, maybe, you know, high schools to have access to this. And I want, you know, old white people to also go watch it. So you know, maybe, you know, yes, an off-Broadway, like, kind of access, but also a more community-based access. I think both. Like, why not both? Mm-hmm. Why one or the other? I, I don't see the advantage in that. I think both. Yes, absolutely. Tara, what about you? 
I mean, I agree with Melanie. I want everyone to come see this. But, you know, we had a little, like, Black boy in the audience the other night, like, mm-hmm. sitting in the affinity group with us, <laughs> me and Kahim did. And I had a moment of, like, oh, my gosh, I'm, like, cursing and looking at this kid and, like, saying all these things. Oh, my goodness. But then I was, like, this is a little Black boy in America. What, I mean, what must he feel? all the time you know and it's a two and a half hour play and this kid anytime someone was blocking his field of vision was like angling around or trying to like Mm -hmm. move his seat and was just so present and to me that let me know that this was personal this was a personal issue and something when we were writing this we were like who are we writing it for and I was like I think we write it for us you know Chuck is a black man. I'm half Tibetan. Melanie is, you know, is eight, uh, sorry, uh, Indian. Yeah. Wow. I can't believe I just like. <laughs> it's okay. It was it, a South Asian thing that we yeah, added. For, uh, yeah. yeah. I know. So. But like, I, yeah, it was like, let's make this really personal and let's write this for us because we are such three different people from different experiences. And if we write it for us, we will also write it for many people, like yeah. a large audience. Yeah. Um, Definitely. Yes, 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 yes. And bringing us home, the Shaka, Kahim, who do you hope have access to being Shaka? Obviously, as, as, as many people as possible, but I think I think what's important is, is that different types of people see it together. The like best crowds we've gotten, it's when, it, when it's like, when you have some younger black folks and some like wealthy white theater people both in the room because there's such a wide array of experiences in the play that you actually learn something by seeing how other people are experiencing it as well. If everyone, you know, if the whole audience is just one type of person, they're going to have a very different experience of the play. And they're like Tara said earlier, they're going to miss a lot of things. But it really tells you about yourself, because if you see yourself in a character and then you see how someone else is reacting to that character, and you're like, oh, oh, <laughs> you know, so I, I really think it's like and and nothing about the play is judgmental about any of these people, even though they're so wildly different and like they hurt each other, like people get really hurt in this play, but like the play itself doesn't judge anyone involved. So if you can, if we can get if we can pack this room with people that are of different ages and different races and just like get them to see in this play how they might affect each other like that is a job well done I think because that's that's the stuff Nalani that like you walk away with and you're like oh okay man this this kid on the train this reminds me of that Shaka kid that's a three-dimensional human now it's going to change the way I interact with people in my day-to-day life because I like found some dimension to this person that's very foreign to me, you know? As we start our second part of the show, we'd love to give our listeners a chance to get to know our guests a little bit more, pull the curtain back, if you will, 
And I want to start by asking all of you, what inspires you? What playwrights, composers, or shows inspire you or are some of your favorites? Tara, can I start with you on this, please? Yes, I'm going to start with Stephen Sondheim. (laughs) I, as a very small child, had two VHS tapes of Sondheim performances. One was Into the Woods and one was Sunday in the Park with George. And I studied them meticulously. And the thing that I realize now was so like transformative for me as a young kid was there are no villains. There are no true one-dimensional villains in a Sondheim show. Everyone is complicated. Everyone. like, And that was like my favorite character was the witch from Into the Woods. And I was watching Brandette Peters play her. And I would just like sit in front of the screen and study every little emotional turn that was happening for this character. And it's to this day what I strive to do in like any kind of art that I make is like having that emotional depth and nuance and complexity. Yeah. The other inspiration that comes to mind, particularly for this piece, is actually a documentary, Black Is, Black Ain't by Marlon Riggs, where he interviewed a bunch of Black people who had very different ideas of what being Black means. And his point was sort of like, everyone can have an opinion, but you're just creating a lot more divides. But what he did that was so interesting is he was dying of AIDS at the time, and he situated the film in his body. You start with his body and what's happening to his body. So it is a very personal container. And then you go out and talk to other people with different ideas, but it never loses those stakes and that personal, like this is life and death is kind of what he was saying, which I also think is really true for this piece. So those are the two that come to mind, Marlon Riggs and Steven Sondheim. Those are great. They're absolutely great. Kahim, what about you? Honestly, I I I have so many friends that do theater and like and even just all performance art in general like I'm, I'm just really inspired by the work that my peers are doing Caleb Everhart's a great friend of mine who is just like grown into such a wonderful actor and I've seen him on stage a few times he's he's getting a lot of like film and tv work and he just like really inspires me because he is a really reserved kind of stoic person in his life and he's really introverted, but he he just like blossoms on a stage. And but there's like a measured realness to it that like I am really kind of it's the, the same sentiment as what I'm pushing for for this play of just like just ju- just making it just really grounding grounding it in reality, which is hard in a play w- with a lot of dream sequences and you know movement pieces and some abstract stuff going on and. I'm playing a child that is half my age, but it's it's still like the only way it all works if you ground it in something real and tangible. And like that, I think anytime I see work like that is 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 what kind of makes me think that theater is still alive. <laughs> I love that. Nothing like being inspired by the people around you. That's brilliant. Yeah. And Nalini, what about you? Well, what inspires me? Gosh, just to not get depressed. <laughs> just to, yeah, yeah, right. Just to not, you know, sink. My family, I mean, you know, my families, I, you know, they're something else. And I feel like it's a combination, I think, of my upbringing. And I, I was a very quiet 
very, very quiet kid. And I read a lot. So actually a lot of strangely literature has inspired me. Uh, one of my first, first inspirations was Arundhati Roy. Is this novel called God of Small Things. And when mm-hmm. I read that novel, I just had a world just blow up inside me. Just, it was everything I wanted in a, in a story, but also that felt so real. And if you haven't had a chance to read this novel, I highly suggest, I think it won the Booker Prize or something. It was pretty high up. No, actually, I can't remember what it was. Anyway, but it was beautiful. And writers such as V.S. Naipaul, he's a Trinidadian writer, and uh, Cormac McCarthy, No Country for Old Men. These pieces of literature, I don't know, they, to me, they also strangely inform my interior world as well. And they kind of, I felt my exterior world with my interior world makes sense. And, and that to me, that's what really inspires me as a writer as well. I'm like, well, that's what I want to do. You know, I want to write things where people's interiors and exteriors and finally kind of make sense and doesn't have to be literal. It just felt intuitively in sense, in sync, you know? So literature, family, those are my two. (laughs) Can I add one for literature that I forgot? Please do. Yeah, You made me remember Octavia Butler, Octavia Butler. And there was, there's a specific quote from her book, Parable of the Sower, that just like lives in me all the time. And I think really shows up in this piece. And the quote is, everything you touch, you change. Everything you change, changes you. The only lasting truth is change. God is change. That's and I beautiful. feel like it, it is, and it's so real. And I, I think that that really is very much how this piece works too. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love all those inspirations. Like I'm over here, like scribbling things down. I'm like, yes. Yeah. And go, okay. <laughs> all right. They're good enough to inspire this art. They must be so good. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I want to ask my favorite question now to you all, and that's, what is your favorite theater memory? Tara, what is your favorite theater memory? My favorite theater memory is seeing Bernadette Peters in Annie, Get Your Gun, and getting to go backstage and meet her. I was eight years old. I was absolutely in love with her, like literally had like a book that was just devoted to clippings of Bernadette Peters. (laughs) And I got to meet her and it was, I mean, in retrospect, it's very cute, but like also really embarrassing the level of nerdiness. I like had dressed up as a little cowgirl and I had brought her a painting that I had made of her (laughs) and gotten a 3D camera to take a picture with her so that I could have... Bernadette Peters coming out of the picture. Anyway, um, that's probably one of my favorite theater memories just because like, you know, to get to meet someone who is just such a inspiration to you at such a young age and to not be disappointed by how that person receives you is huge. And it made me feel like, okay, yes, the person I see on stage who's doing this incredible work is also an incredible person, good. Yes, yes, a thousand times yes. I'm so I nice share, when I'm that sharing happens. that with you. Yeah. 
I guarantee you too. She remembers that. I guarantee you a thousand times. She remembers that. Absolutely. I know that for a fact. If I ever saw her again, I would probably just weep. (laughs) Who would like to go next? Oh, I mean, it's, it sounds, it sounds trite, but this production is by far my most potent theater memory. (laughs) Just watching everyone else work. is just really wonderful. And like nothing else is coming to mind, which is great. It's great. <laughs> I love that. I love that you are living your best theater memory right now. That's that is a testament to how great the show is. So I love that for you. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah. So Nalini, that leaves you. What's your favorite theater memory? Oh my gosh. I mean, I honestly like, yeah, I've also really loved this process as being a writer, but because Kahim already (laughs) covered being Shaka, (laughs) you know, it's funny. I was in Berlin last year and I went to this show and and they, they're doing some incredible theater right now, by the way, um, Berlin. Um, because they have the actors, it's all about directors there. So the actors are always in rep companies. And so the actors are phenomenal because they get to stick with a company and they get to work with a company like for years. And so they're so good. And I saw this play and I remember sitting in the audience, not understanding a GD word of what was being said because it was in German. And there were subtitles like in the corner, right? And I was, you know, I was following along the story, but I just could not take my eyes off this actress. She was older, like didn't look like, you know, actresses. I mean, I'm in LA right now, but, you know, she's just so, just so bare, like no makeup, hair all frizzy, just, you know, nothing. And she, there was this moment that she had on stage where she just kind of like, she said something and then it was as if like the actors didn't know their next line. And then she just sort of sank on the floor. And it was such an honest Mm. moment that, and I knew the other actor was thrown off too, because I think he wasn't expecting that. And it was just one of those moments you have in live theater where the actress was so in the moment and it didn't matter. I didn't understand a word, but I understood everything. And I was moved because I knew exactly what the actress was going through. Cause she was going through something so painful. Oh, chills. Mm. This was last year. I love that. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for sharing that memory. That's amazing. Yeah. Those kind of performances are few and far between, but when they reach down into you, I mean, it's like a gut punch in the best way. Yeah. Thank you all for sharing those amazing memories. Of course. As we wrap this interview up, I want to ask, do any of you have any projects or productions coming on the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you? I'm doing this production with them, but I also am a musician and I I rap and produce music and this this summer's got a slew of releases and it's just under the same name, Kahim Rivera. So make it out to a live music show. It's I sort of treat it like theater, so it's great. Is there any music our listeners can listen to of yours somewhere? Absolutely. All the streaming places, Kahim Rivera. 
Melanie has some really exciting things coming up. I do. I'm a clown. I'm a professional clown. Not, you know, Ronald McDonald, like, you know, the Comedia dell'arte. So I have a, <laughs> I have a solo show. I have an absurd theater and solo show coming up to Edinburgh. I'm taking it to Edinburgh this summer in August. Yeah. It's going to be at the Space UK. The show is called Until Death. It's set in a hospital based on my childhood. And yeah, it's a wild ride. And if you're in Scotland <laughs> this summer, I, you know, come on by. It's called Until Death. And you can find all my info on my Instagram. That's where I kind of do all my promo work, which is Nalls Barkley, N-A-L-S-B-A-R-K-L-E-Y. Finally, if our listeners want more information about being Shaka or about any of you, they might want to perhaps reach out to you. How can they do that? Instagram, emails. If they want more information about the show, they can go to the New Ohio website. If they want to read a review about the show, they can go to theaterscene.net, look up being Shaka. I guess we should give our emails. IG is great for me. IG, IG. Great. Let's do that. Yeah. So I am a Tyrannosaurus Amber X. So <laughs> that is T-A-R-A-N-A-S-A-U-R-U-S-A-M-B-E-R-E-X. Made that really easy for people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm hey, just Kahim Rivera, K-A-H-I-E-M, River with an A at the end. And yes, Taya Artistry, definitely. You can find them on Instagram as well. Yeah. Or their website. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, Tara, Kahim, and Nalani, thank you so much for taking the time today to speak to me about this great show, about your amazing experiences in the theater, and about the power of this great show. So thank you so much for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. My guests today have been the performer and writer Tara Amber, the performer playing the role of Shaka, Kahim Rivera, and the writer Nalani Sharma, all who are part of Taya Artistry's production of Being Shaka, playing now through May 27th at the New Ohio Theater. Tickets and more information are available at newohiotheater.org. We also have some contact information for all of them, as well as a website for the production company that we'll be posting on our episode description, as well as on our social media. So make sure to check that out. But if you're in the New York area or coming to the New York area, check out Bean Shaka at the New Ohio Theater now through May 27th. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater in a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. 
You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.